Christ is risen. Yes, come on. Turn to your neighbor. Christ is risen. Ah, it is true. Guys, we're on a journey. Come on. I believe the Lord will take us all the way through this season. Um, so excited for uh, what we're about to experience today. I uh, just want to, before uh, Joe and David come up, I want to kind of give a context for people. Uh, again, uh, Anthony did a great job explaining why we're doing these testimonies and what our church is trying to accomplish. But I, I want you to remember last week, we talked about the two men that were, were on their way to Emmaus. It was the wrong way. They were disappointed, just like many of the disciples, that Jesus, who they expected would be one way, turned out to be another. And so, but the amazing thing is Jesus didn't let them walk away, amen? Jesus appeared to them, and then Jesus was walking with them, spending hours trying to lift them out of their unbelief and set their hearts on fire again. And so then they ran back to Jerusalem immediately to tell the other disciples that Jesus Christ is risen. They had a change of heart, and they went and spoke to the disciples. And we saw in that short story an example of what life group is all about. It's very simple. These two men engaging in conversation that had to do about many things, but also especially about Jesus Christ. And in that moment, they were able to fellowship with Jesus together. And that simple combination of conversations about Christ and fellowshipping with him in breaking the bread and prayer causes a life change to happen. This is the most basic way that we follow Jesus Christ. Without a small group in your life, it is nearly impossible for you to be a faithful follower of Christ. Uh, and so, um, you know, by the way, these are the three answers for the little bulletin uh, quiz on, on last ser Sunday sermon. Uh, but, you know, the reason why, as, as Anthony explained, uh, we, we've, been, we've been for the last three months, uh, maybe 18 of us, maybe 19 of us got together every Saturday with a hunger to say, God, what can we do as a church to become faithful in becoming your followers? And it really is about gathering together, not just on Sunday, but as often as we can to engage in conversation about Jesus Christ, the word of God, and then fellowshipping over the breaking of bread and remembering Christ in prayer. And so, uh, uh, yeah, the reason why we're, you know, inviting all the leaders over the next couple months to testify in Revelation 12, 11, it says this. They triumph over him. The him there is the devil, the antichrist. This is talking about the end times. How do we overcome Satan? Right now, Satan wants to destroy us, stop you. He wants to steal your faith, steal your destiny, and make your life become fruitless, meaningless. Just, a, just death is what he wants to give to you. We have to resist that. But how do we overcome the devil? How do we overcome the antichrist and his system? It says two things. By the blood of the lamb, Jesus already poured out his blood. He provided the power for you, but that's not enough because the word of your testimony must be given. The way we become Christ, Christians, is not just believing in him, but it says you believe in your heart and you profess with your mouth that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and then you're saved. It, it, your salvation is not only what God has done, but there's a part that you have to take. There's a, there's a sharing that you have to do in your own life. And so... This, you know, again, I'm, I'm inviting all the leaders. Some of them are very afraid to speak in public. But we're saying, you know what, this is the most basic thing. If you have received the blood of Christ, if you've been born again, you got to tell. There's no other way. If either, either you know him or you don't, there is no middle ground. 
and, and you, know, you know, this is, again, for those of you who understand our church's journey, we're not saying this, talking down at you guys. We're saying let's together join this path of following Jesus Christ. Let's become that the two men on the road to Emmaus, discouraged, losing faith. But Jesus finds them as they were conversing, as they were fellowshipping, and they turned and they went the right way again. So, because, again, I want to remind this, our goal as a church is very, very specific. Christ UMC seeks to become a community where everyone, say that again with me, everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're part of everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to say this up front just so you don't, at the, after being here for a year, like, what's going on? Like, I don't understand. Yes, we want everyone to make disciple makers of Jesus. It's not enough for you to be a disciple. A disciple, by definition, you make disciples. You cannot just be a disciple of Christ and do nothing to impact someone else's life. We have to do it together. I'm sure the two men, one of them probably was discouraged. The other was encouraging him. The other was discouraged. The other encouraged him. And then finally Jesus said, aha, I'm here to prove to you what you've been talking about is real. Maker, disciple makers of Jesus in Hawaii and beyond. We have really a unique church because our being, being in Hawaii, especially here in, in our church, we have so many visitors, people coming from all over the world, literally, and we have an opportunity to make this happen. So without further ado, I want to invite uh, David and Joy up to the stage. Let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> all right. You guys want to? Speak here or on the podium? With a handheld mic? Okay. All right. Before they speak, I'll just open up in a word of prayer. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's, let's continue together. Uh, Jesus, we need you to show yourself as resurrected now. I don't care about what happened 2,000 years ago, but I want to know right now the resurrected Savior. And that happens as we talk about you. When we begin to talk about Jesus, share the word of God, you appear. And Lord, when that happens, something in our heart changes. And when we are willing to share from our lives, share from our hearts, Lord God, you also begin to share your very life. And so I thank you for the men and women who are disciples in this community as we share, as we learn to share from our lives, I pray that you will breathe on it. And especially, Lord, as they sow this uh, from their hearts, may, may they, may David and Joy receive a hundredfold return of your blessing and grace in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, good morning. So uh, for those who do know me and those who do not know me, I'm David, David Choi, and, you know, I would like to say that, you know, I'm not the perfect son, uh, but I do like to say that I am a good son. Uh, in some aspects, I'm not a perfect Christian, but I would like to say I'm a decent one with much more room to grow. So one theme I would like to share with all of us is obedience. Growing up, I would like to say that, you know, I think that I did a good job obeying my parents, of course, we argue sometimes I won, uh, but most of the time I did lose and was forced to obey my parents. Uh, but looking back, I did realize that my parents wanted uh, what was best for me and it was all out of love. In 
a similar fashion um, or in a similar way is my obedience to God. I'm still learning to obey God, and as you may know, it's tough. While reading yesterday's uh, devotional uh, through Living Life, the reflection highlighted the importance of obedience and how tough it is. So it says, uh, he must trust and obey God's direction. Obedience is not always easy, and at times it demands bold faith on our part. So over these past few years, I truly struggled in my obedience with God through finances, specifically speaking through tithes and offerings. So I'm glad we did tithes and offerings before I came up. Um, but as you see, ever since I was in youth group, offering up the tithes and offering was fairly easy. Uh, my parents would give me $1, $2, $5, because who in middle school had money to give, right? So they provided. But once in a while, you know, when they give me money for offering, they would always remind me, hey, David, never forget to do tithes and offerings uh, with your earnings to God, because everything that we give to you was provided by God. So high school rolls around, and I get to get, I get my first job. I was a lifeguard. Got paid pretty well, $12 an hour. I can't argue with that. And automatically knew the drill, right? First paycheck, you know, bought food for my parents, uh, bought a nice TV, and obviously I had to give my 10%, my tithes and offering to God. It wasn't difficult, it wasn't too hard. I didn't, worry, I didn't really worry too much about money or finances or anything like that at the time. In college, you know, as a full-time student, my job was to be a student. Uh, as a student, I mean, some of us made money they worked at dining facilities, they worked at research labs, teaching assistants. I did nothing of that. All I did was put my head in the books and just went down to town to study in the libraries at Starbucks. Um, I borrowed money for drinks. Uh, so yeah, I had, I had really no money to spend except for what my parents provided. Again, my, my parents had assisted with money, uh, with tithes and offering, for food, for drinks for pretty much just having a decent college life. My parents had always been there to provide. Uh, and again, tithes and offering was by no means any difficult because it wasn't my money, it was their money. So I already had my parents to rely on. So now fast forward to now, um, I like to say I have a good job. Um, make, I'm now making money, but geez, man, like why is it so hard? for me to give, right? Why is it so hard for me to give up to tithes and offering? Why is it so hard for me to give it up to God? And I soon and quickly realized, you know, it's life. I had bills to pay, I had a mortgage to pay, uh, gas prices have been rising up. Uh, some of you might know, but like every month I'm flying out, so flight tickets aren't easy or they're not cheap. They, they've skyrocketed since then, uh, since about maybe about a year now. Uh, you know, buying food, I like to eat, I like to watch Netflix, Disney Plus. Like, there's so many things that I like to spend my money on. I want to spend my money on how I see it fits. But funny enough, I came to realize that, you know, where, where I am now is not because of what I've done. It's pretty much, you know, through the blessings and through what God has provided. And so despite all the excuses I made with my finances and with my self-justified uh, reasons on why I couldn't offer tithes and offering, I finally came to my senses. You know, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for God's blessing and love, right? Everything that my parents told me to do, always study before having fun, you know, study, study, study. You know, it, it came down to the point where I think I'm a work addict. Um, 
you know, like sometimes at home, like I'm always doing work. I get, you know, Joy does get upset. She's like, stop, stop working. Focus on me. I'm like, oh, but I got, I got to work, you know, I got to do work, you know, got to make that money. But, you know, in, in the end, right, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I wouldn't have the job I have. I wouldn't have the coworkers that I have. I wouldn't have, you know, the, the friends that I have right now if it really wasn't for what, you know, through obeying my parents and ultimately obeying God. You know, it's truly God's blessing that I am where I am right now. So it was all through God that I was able to have a job that provides so abundantly. Uh, I was just so blinded that I couldn't see all that God has provided and how much I've neglected to praise him for all the blessings that I've earned. So it's, to be honest, it's, it's still a struggle. Um, I, but I can definitely and confidently say that I'm learning to fully trust in God knowing that he will fully provide. It is that bold faith that God will take care of me and my family, and not just me, but everyone, you know, everyone in this congregation as well. Through obeying God and all that he asks of me, knowing that the reason may not be evident, and shoot, that's pretty scary. I want to know why I'm doing something. I want to know what the end goal is. I want to know what the, the end is like. I want to know what I'm going to get out of it. But, you know, God works in mysterious ways, and to be honest, I just need to remain faithful. So I might be speaking primarily on my finances right now, but I know this could apply to different aspects of my life and all, and all aspects through my walk with Christ. So I will, you know, in front of everyone here, um, I would like to say that I will now fully obey and trust that God has a plan for everything that he has for me. And I, I full heartedly believe that he has a plan for everyone here and we just need to obey what he says for us. So that's my testimony. Good morning. Uh, my name is Joy, and I've been attending CUMC as a youth since middle school. And the story I would like to share with you all is how I left. <laughs> gave up what I really loved and ultimately came back fully knowing that this was all in God's plan. Uh, so I did not leave the church in on bad terms. I just went off to the mainland for college. So woo, go dogs, go UW. And um, a wise person advised that when you go to a new place, you should quickly find a church. The faster you do it, the better and the easier. If you take a longer time, the harder it gets. And so it was one of my top priorities to find a church right away. Uh, I found a Korean American church because I wanted something familiar to home. And uh, the first sermon, I cried. <laughs> so uh, I knew right then and there that this was going to be my church and I'm going to commit to this church. Uh, and you know, the rest is history. I volunteered for the children's ministry. I got involved with their life groups. I wanted to meet other sisters, and that's why, you know, I, I got myself plugged in. And I really enjoyed all the messages and sermons that were being shared. I, I've learned a lot, and I matured through all of that. Uh, I stayed with that church for a full eight years. So four years of my college student life and also four years transitioning into my young adult life. And I would say I love my church. I love my community. I love my pastors who are mentoring me. And, you know, within those eight years, of course, there's ups and downs, ebbs and flows, all of that. But even then, um, there was no reason for me to leave. God consistently just 
provided new things for me to enjoy and to learn, and so I stuck around and I stayed. And um, just want to say, uh, then guess what? I met a guy. <laughs> so uh, David was already here in Hawaii for about four years, and we were doing long distance in the beginning. And um, you know, my plan, the plan, was for him to move to Seattle, and we would live out my dream. That he would meet my girlfriends, we would go on double dates together, uh, we could all get eventually get married, have kids, send them off to UW, and we would be living the dream of the unnis at church, right? The older sisters at church who were all best friends, and their friends were best friends. Like that was my hashtag life goals, right? But that was not God's plan. Uh, so. What happened was I got laid off. I, I, got, I lost my job. And so that was a turning point where David and I had to discuss, like, should I continue to find work in Seattle and eventually wait for him to come to me? Or is it a smarter move for me to come back home where, again, he settled and I have no job. So, <laughs> right? And although it was really hard, um, and, and it was something that I realized, like, wow, I did not want to leave, <laughs> right? Like I had my hashtag life goals, right? Um, I love Seattle. I love my community. I love my church. I love my friends. And it was really hard to let that go. And I realized how much I loved it because I was like forced to leave it. Um, but at the same time, making the decision to come back home, knowing that it was all in God's plan, um, really made it easy as well. Like, of course, I was sad, but I knew in my heart that this was a decision to make because I fully had peace with it. No anxiety with transitioning over. Uh, he really made the way and proved to me that this was the right thing because I had a home to come back to. My family was here and allowed me to stay with them. Uh, within a month of moving back, I found a job, and that's kind of hard. And so, woo, right, praise the Lord. Um, and the final thing of that puzzle was, was I going to find a community that I loved, I truly loved, like I did in Seattle? And I would like to tell you, after five years of committing myself to this church, the answer is yes. Um, it took some time, for sure. But I can truly say I genuinely love this church. I love this community. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Ingwen as well, who's been in this journey for me and David. He counseled us, um, you know, for premarital counseling. And he's been doing great with sharing um, sermons that, again, are engaging and, and, like, again, things that I can learn from and really take into, into my life. And so, yeah, I can stand before you today and say that, yes, I love you all. <laughs> and so if there's anything you can take away, really, I want to um, highlight these two points. Uh, one, commit yourself to Christ. Even when through all the transitions of moving away, moving back, he was my one true constant. And so, number one, again, commit yourself to Christ. Uh, number two, commit yourself to the church. So get yourself involved. Join a life group. Start volunteering. The more you invest and pour out your heart into this community, he will provide back that sense of security, sense of peace, sense of belonging. And so I urge you, and I urge you, and I urge you once again, get involved and commit yourself to this church. And um, yeah, that's about it. I am looking forward to getting to know you and sharing more aspects of my story and getting to know your story as well. Thank you so much.
Awesome. Thank you, David. Thank you, Joy. Uh, I hope these stories, real life stories, these, they're not making, this is, we're not like, this is not acting, there's no script. Uh, this is genuinely, you know, I, I don't tell them what to share. I just tell them, hey, share something about your walk with Christ, and that will bless. Uh, and the idea is that you will get curious. It's like, I want to learn more. I want to learn more about not just God and me, but I want to know God in each other. Amen? Uh, and so just to give you guys a couple practical uh, update on Life Group is this. is Every Saturday right now, the shepherds are still meeting because uh, this is a brand new start. This is not like just like something restarting. Uh, but currently we have uh, Anthony here in the front. Anthony, raise your hand. And we have uh, David. Uh, he just went to the bathroom. Okay, yeah, he, David, you can meet him in the bathroom. David Saw, um, he is, he's out there over there by Hawaii Kai, uh, but also he's willing to meet with anybody. These are two gentlemen that you can start approaching and saying, hey, how can we do life group? And the truth is they don't, they, they don't have all the answers, but one thing they know is they want to share Christ with you. And so it might, it might be just a, as long as there's two people, life group can start, Amen. And so it's got to start somewhere. And I know all of us have to kind of uh, uh, get rid of this, like, uh, COVID pandemic, uh, I don't know, lethargy that we all have. That we're like, hey, life is fine without, without people. I got my tablet and me at home. You know, I don't have to talk to people. You know, I think we're trying to, by the grace of God, come out of that uh, into a life of um, experiencing more, more of the fullness of God. And so... Uh, yeah, talk to them after service. Uh, there are other, uh, as, as, as the Sundays come out, uh, there's going to be other leaders who are also going to be starting life groups soon in the future. Uh, one is definitely Pastor Nathan. Uh, he's upstairs with the youth right now. Uh, but he has kind of decided to continue making his Thursday leaders group for the youth uh, his main life group. And uh, David and Joy are part of that. And they've really benefited from serving together and sharing uh, in the discipleship. So, but let me begin with a word of prayer for today's message. <clears throat> God, we want to follow you. Just like the disciples on that first day of resurrection. They were lost. They were hopeless. They had given up. But you haven't, Lord. And you're still inviting us. As long as there's breath in us, Lord, there's an opportunity for us to turn. There's an opportunity to make our lives count. There's an opportunity for us to experience heaven. There's an opportunity for us to experience the risen Savior and to live your life. There is no life apart from Jesus Christ. Lord, deliver us from the death. Help us to understand the condition of our soul right now. How, Lord God, we may be broken. How we may be empty. And, Lord God, just building our lives on sand. It's just going to crumble but there's only one foundation, and it's you, Jesus. It's your word. And I pray that as David and Joy share today, Lord, just to see the fruit of what a life built on the word, the fight that it takes, but how, Lord, the fruit of it, it is life-giving. I pray that every one of us will make a decision to say, my foundation is Jesus alone. And I pray that we'll build that house of God together in this place. Let this church community become uh, a vessel for the glory of God to be manifested on the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, David is here in the, in the back. If you guys say hello, David. All right. David, if you could update the PowerPoint. Yeah, that'd be great. Today in our passage, 
we're continuing picking up right where we left off. So the place we left off last week, the two men going to Emmaus, they're surprised that Jesus really is alive. They run back to the disciples and tell them, hey, he's alive. And I don't have the slides to show right now, but the passage that we read, it says that as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself appears to them and he says, peekaboo, no, he says, peace to you. Uh, it, it's, it's really interesting. It doesn't say Jesus walked in through the door or through the window. He just appeared and said, peace to you. How would you feel if you're in your dining room with your friends talking about something, someone, and then that person just appears and the door hasn't opened. And of course, it says they were terrified and they were startled and they thought they saw a ghost. We, we don't blame them, right? And then Jesus says to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Because he knew what they were thinking. They were thinking that he's a ghost. He's like, no, 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 I am real. I, I came from that grave. I'm the same one that you've been hanging out for the last three years. It's an, an unexpected moment. But most always when you're with other believers talking about Jesus, he shows up. How, what's the key for us to experience Jesus on a daily basis? Talk about him. When you open up the word of God, he shows up. He's not going to let someone talk about him without him showing up. So that, that's what happened. The disciples talking about him, the two men, they're like, we saw him. And Mary's like, we saw him too. And then Jesus is like, yes, I am here. And what's beautiful in this is that he says to them, he knows that they're troubled and there's doubt. So he offers himself, if you need proof, I'll give you even tangible proof. Jesus, again, he loves his disciples. There, He'll never disown his own. And he has come back to reveal to them and to stir up their faith and to relieve them of their fears. Whenever there's fears and doubts in our lives, that's the time you need to go back to the word of God with someone and begin to talk about it. And he will teach he will be there in that moment so then jesus does the most important thing. by the way it's, it's funny right after he says see that uh, uh that i i have bones and flesh as you see that i have he says hey do you guys have food <laughs> he says i'm hungry because he hasn't eaten in three days right yeah at least three days and he probably wasted a lot of energy going through you know as the bible says he went under he went to where the dead are sleeping he preached the gospel and then he had to come back up and all these things. And he was in, in Emmaus uh, seven miles away and he suddenly appeared. All of that takes out, burns out a calorie, right? So he says the disciples offered him fish and Jesus ate it. And they're like, wow, he can really eat it, okay? So, and then Jesus does what's most important. Now that they have calmed down, now that they have eaten and they have settled down, he says this. Then he said to them, these are my words. And I spoke to you while I was still with you. It's just you forgot. That's okay. I'm here to remind you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus is saying, friends, listen, this is the most important thing you need to know. The entire Bible is about me. And then he says, then he opened their minds to understand the scripture, to realize, wow, the scripture really is Jesus. It's God in the flesh. And now we have experienced him. And then now we have to know what is the main point. So are you guys ready? Jesus summarizes the main point of the scripture. Here we go. Because Jesus is like, y'all, I know you've been traumatized. Get your act together. 
it's go time. This is it. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ, the Messiah, the one that the entire history of human history is looking for, the one man, Jesus Christ, should suffer as he did on the cross. And on the third day, he will rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. In one sentence, he summarized the entire gospel. Why do we have the law, the prophets, and the Psalms? If you don't understand this point, none of that makes sense. All of that points to this truth. And, the, and right there, repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus Christ has come to deliver the world from sin. Sin is no longer an issue. It's resisting Jesus. That's the issue. Once you accept Jesus' gift and you repent from the sin, you are forgiven. And this good news of salvation must be told to all the nations beginning from where they were right there. And here's the final important point. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus says, now you are witnesses of these things. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a witness of this. Some of you are like, what? I didn't know. <laughs> don't, don't look at me. I just want to be saved. I just want to be forgiven. No, no, no. Now that you are together, we are witness of these things. And he's talking to the people who are literally witnessing with their eyes. And they're saying, like, this is too much. We thought you were just another prophet. We thought you were a political leader who was going to deliver us. And uh, we were going to be sitting in the capital with, with you. But no, this is so much more beyond. This is so much more than earthly goal that we have and then finally after he has said that jesus he says to he says to his disciples and behold i am sending the promise of my father upon you let me connect that again so jesus says this is what the whole scripture is about me what i did dying on the cross rising from the grave to forgive the sins of the world very simple message very awesome message and the important thing is you don't just leave the message. Now you are a witness of these things wherever you go to. Everyone you are, whatever you do, you're a witness that this is true, that Jesus has risen. So have I. And then he says, and I'm going to send you the promise of my father has spoken to you. Because the resurrection of Jesus, it has changed the disciples. The more, because of the resurrection of Christ, now something about you and me has also changed. You and I, those who have witnessed the who have, who have witnessed in faith the, and believe in the death and resurrection of Christ, now that we're witnesses, God is about to give us something that He promised long time ago. And to put it simple, it is what makes us like Jesus Christ. It is the baptism of His Holy Spirit. What Jesus is telling his disciples who were afraid, who were discouraged, who couldn't believe, who were backslidden, he comes to them and says, surprise, here's the good news. You're in charge of it, and guess what? I'm going to empower you. Because the same power that Jesus had, the same power, now if you can imagine that power being like a battery, he gives you that, he gives each one of us the same battery of Jesus that made him supernatural, that made him uh, live in righteousness that allowed him to do miracles. Now he says that power is yours. My resurrection is now your resurrection. The question is, first of all, thank you, Jesus, for giving me such a big thing that I didn't know I needed. But the big question is, and the disciples also were wondering at the time, how do we access this power? How can I wield 
this promise of the Holy Spirit, this power of God, the very glory you and I lost when we sinned, how can we get that glory back in us? Jesus says this, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Didn't he just tell us to go? He said, you're going to go from here and you're going to be a witness. Okay, you are the witness. And then he says to them, but wait. The key word that we have to explore today is the word wait. As I was reading this, I was thinking, I was trying to put myself in the, in the shoes of the disciples. So Jesus, are you telling us to go right now because we're witnesses or are you telling us to wait? Which one is it? Is it we wait or we go? It is both, but first it is wait. Today I want to help you guys understand the secret to you living as a Christian just like Jesus. The secret for you to be a witness of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection to wherever you go. The secret for you to live in the fullness of God and to see Jesus everywhere in your life where not a second of your life is ever in darkness or depression or loneliness or de defeat or despair or in sinfulness is to wait. Before you can experience the fullness of all that God has, his endless blessings, powers, love, joy, peace, gifts, fruits, excitement, and boldness in life, meaning in life, destiny in life, overcoming devils in darkness, breaking the back of injustice, changing the world, it requires you to wait on the Lord. It's a very interesting word because these days we don't do this anymore. You don't have to wait. Pick up your phone, order, things come. I mean, Amazon in Hawaii takes like three days, but mainland, it could take two hours. In Korea, it takes 10 seconds. You order jajangmyeon, before you put the phone down there, they're there already. <laughs> We're suffering. There's a big hindrance right now for the body of Christ, the church right now. We are lacking the power of God. We're lacking the life and the transformation power of God because we have not learned to wait. Honestly, waiting is scary. Waiting is the moment that you lose control. Waiting means you're not in control anymore. So what Jesus was telling these disciples is, yes, you're going to live for the rest of your life, becoming just like me and, and witnessing who I am, but you're going to have to learn to wait. You're going to have to learn to die. You're going to have to take your plans and say, Lord, here are my plans, but I'm waiting on your plans. The Bible is very clear on the two different outcomes of people who wait and people who do not wait on God. It's night and day throughout the entire Bible. Just go through it today. You will see it. This guy waited on the Lord. You see his outcome. This guy didn't wait on the Lord. You see it. First of all, Peter, for example, remember the time Jesus told him the word of God was go get a sword. He goes and gets the sword. And he doesn't know, he doesn't know what to do. Just he has a sword. It's, I, I mean, what is this? He used to use it to cut the fish, but he has a sword. And then when the, when the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, he goes, he, he went ahead and he jumped the sword. He didn't jump the gun. He jumped the sword and he swung at the Roman soldier. I think he was trying to like hurt him, but he cut off his ears. I mean, like what? what? And then Jesus has to rep, uh, do the whole thing and then has to fix it. That was just Peter's repetition. So many times he, 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 he missed the mark. And what was the word? He jumps the gun so many times and Jesus has to back him up. Jesus has to uh, fix his message. 
But think about a clear example, for example, in, in, the, in the story in the Old Testament, King Saul, he was the first king of the nation of Israel. He had that honor of being chosen to be the first king. But at the end of his life, he loses everything. He loses his life, his empire, his destiny, he, and, he, and he commits suicide because God has left him. And what caused that tragedy is that he started to not wait on the Lord. There was a time when the army was ready. They were ready to go to war. But as it was customary, they always did a worship. They did a sacrifice to God, and they waited on the Lord, and they worshiped and prayed so that God could give them direction on what to do. But, King, uh, but priest Samuel was, was so late that day that his army and officials were getting, getting restless. They're saying, King Saul, we've got to go right now. The enemy is right there. We've got to go. And King Saul, instead of waiting on the Lord, decides, fine, I'll just do sacrifice myself. I've seen Samuel do it. I'll kill the calf. I'll burn it on the altar. And I'll do the prayer that he prays. And as soon as they're done, the, the sacrifice, Samuel comes. And Samuel says, what is this smell of burnt offering I smell? What have you done? And in that moment, uh, King Saul, uh, King, uh, uh, priest Samuel, prophet Samuel tells Saul, You're, you have been cut off. The Lord has rejected you and has found a man after God's own heart. And we know that from there was a downfall, you know. Even after Samuel died, King, King Saul was in such a bad place. He, go, he turns to witches and mediums. And he, and he, he a very interesting story. He makes the witches and this uh, the crazy people basically wake up Samuel's spirit from the dead. And Samuel's like, what are you doing? So basically Saul basically went to the darkest of place because of one thing. He didn't know how to wait on God. King David, on the other hand, very similar man. He was just as sinful as, as King Saul, maybe even a little more. But what's different about David, he spent his life, decades of his time. Why has God given you 24 hours a day? It's so that you can learn to wait upon the Lord. When something happens and you wait upon the Lord, you change something the Lord does so that in the end, David became the most honored king because he learned how to wait. So waiting on God is not a new idea. We see the effects of it, the fruit of it. Either the successful waiting on God produces life in your life or the lack of waiting on God produces death in your life. Jesus, again, had no other secret. How did he become worthy to become our sacrifice that once and for all sin of mankind is, 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 is destroyed and every human being in all of creation can be saved? He learned how to wait on God. Why did it take him 30 years for him to be a, a pastor, a, a public minister? He learned to wait on the Lord. How often do you wait on God? Whose time are you on? Is God on your time or are you on God's time? That's the reason why resurrection power, even though it is right with, again, the battery of Jesus is given to you. He says, now with all of your creativity, with all of your uniqueness, be a witness of me. Even though that is true, it seems like the battery is empty. It seems like Jesus is dead. We live our lives like if Jesus is not only far away, but we live our lives. If you really look at your life, we live our lives like he's dead, like he hasn't resurrected. The secret is in waiting on the Lord. This week is a proud moment for me as a father. Uh, that really taught me, really reminded me of this truth. Uh, last Sunday, you know, after last Sunday, I, I was asking the Lord, Lord, what should I talk about? Because there's so many end of, uh, uh, post-resurrection scenes in the Bible that I can mention, but the Lord says, talk to them about waiting. 
And I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's the Lord after the Easter tide. You did that at the end. But no, no, let's talk about it right now. But anyways, there was a proud moment as a father. I had a promotion this week. And basically, for those of you who know, uh, this, not, this week I was able, one of the most important things for an infant is to learn as a parent how to get them to sleep. Amen? Yeah, yeah. That, for those of you who are young, the college students, one day you'll know, okay, how do we get them to sleep? And so um, I was so proud because this week was the first time I put her to bed at night, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, there's a difference between putting a baby down for a nap during the day and the night. It is night and day, okay? Because uh, how, to make, how to make the baby sleep uh, through the night, uh, this is just a plug for anyone out there who also is curious. Uh, for $9.99 per month, I can teach you my wife's secret, okay? Thankfully, she learned something that the babies uh, sleep through the night, most of the nights, unless they're sick. But, for, but the question was, can I do it? Heidi, I did okay, okay? But, they, but Heidi and Noah was so different, okay? So when my, ass, my wife asked me, hey, do you want to put her to bed tonight? I was a little scared. What if I mess it up and something is wrong with the baby and then we lose our sleep that night, that, that one night that I, I try, right? Because, uh, again, nighttime feeding, nighttime sleeping is different than, the, than daytime because in the daytime, uh, it's very quick. You, you hold her, at least for our daughter, you hold her, you sing our favorite song, she's about to fall asleep right? fingers right now. Uh, and then you sing it twice, and then you just put her down. That's it. But nighttime, you have to feed her, okay, which takes quite a while. And then also you have to now, after you feed her, figure out how to transfer her to the bed without waking her up or without her throwing up. Because that's, that's, and then you have to, like, clean the bed. <laughs> Parents know what I'm talking about, okay. So before this week, I've done a few nap times. I'm like, I got this. And then the thing is, she likes king-size mattress, Amen. My, my wife has a single, single bed, but I think she like, prefers me, honestly. When I put her down, she is much more peaceful. Um, but, but Noel is getting bigger, so it's, it's getting harder for my wife to do that. So at the nighttime, what we have to do is, first of all, Heidi, at the nighttime was easy. We, we feed him, and I, I hold him, and I sing the same song I always sing to him. And I walk about, you know, five minutes, and then just put him down, because he burps, you know, like that. But Noel... She's like, I think she's going to be destined to be like an like a Olympic uh, athlete because she's so active. The moment you carry her, she's like, she's like, she's an explorer. She like pushes away. She's like, let me go over there. Let me touch this. She, like, like the moment you hold her, she's like hitting me. She's like, let me go, let me go. So that's not working. So the way we have to do it is we have to put her on our lap. We have to feed her. We have to hold her there for 10 to 15 minutes because we have to kind of at an angle so that the, 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 the milk doesn't come back out of the mouth. And so after about, so after I, there was, I, there I was that, that, in that place trembling, feeding her, and her eyes started closing. Yep, that's a good sign. And then her, her, her hands started really relaxing, and she's just sucking on the, the bottle. And then, uh, you know, there she was, finally, completely, you know, re resting like a little baby monk seal, you know, like, like the one in Kaimana. She's really chunky. I mean, Haya was like a baby walrus, you know, he, he was you know. Noah's pretty big, too. I think she's actually bigger, but she's, you know, cute little baby seal. But anyways, but then in that moment of silence, I realized, whoa, what am I doing? What was I doing at the time? After I feed her, I did the other thing. All I was doing was waiting. And I'm like, oh, this feels interesting. I haven't been in a place where I'm intentionally 
doing nothing or unable to do anything, think about anything, but simply waiting. And I'm like, I still can't do that. And then the Lord's like, Ingwan, this is what you're talking about this Sunday, waiting. It's a thing that we as a, as a, as a American people and the Western world, we're losing. How many of you guys, uh, you know, when you get home after work and all that, um, are on your phones? Raise your hand here if you go home and you're, you're not on the phone. Raise your hand. Who here does not? You, you're not you're, wow. Bless you guys. I want to have an interview with you guys, okay? But, but the majority of us, there's no time to wait. We have to watch our movie. We have to watch that episode. We have to go through Instagram. We have to go through Facebook. My, my, my vice is Facebook. I love Facebook Reels. You can... There's so many different contents. I like variety, right? I like to see ranks. I like to see all these things. And then the thing is, and you fall so asleep, and then you forget to wait on the Lord. Many times, even the free time that we have, downtime we have, is not a pa- in an opportunity. It's a rare moment in our lives to have intentional waiting on God. And then in that moment, I was like, wow, I have a moment right now to do nothing but to wait on God. How special that time was, how holy that time was. You know, what happens in waiting is the question I want to ask you. Why did the Lord tell the disciples after he finished everything and he he literally gave them the Holy Spirit, gave them the ability to understand, gave them his name. The disciples were already have done miracles at this point. They were ready to go. If there was anyone ready to change the world... It was these disciples because they now realized the final test. He really resurrected. All they got to do is just go and tell the world. But he tells them, no, don't. In fact, it took them 10 days. After Jesus ascended back to heaven, the disciples like, oh, my gosh, he's gone again. What do we do? And they remember, oh, he said, you're going to be a witness of, all, of this to the ends of the earth, but I want you to go and do nothing but wait until you're clothed with power from on high. It turns out it was 10 days. That's a pretty long day, time for you to wait without knowing when or what or how. So many people obviously left. By the day seven, maybe people are like, oh, I'm hopeful. But eight, nine, nothing's happening. Where is this power from on high? Where is the promise? Okay, Jesus was fake. And they were in disbelief, discouraged. I've tried. I've tried waiting. It doesn't work. Waiting is not easy, right? Because we're vulnerable at that time. And you become worried about so many things as you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I got to do this and this and this. There's no time to wait. In fact, when you're waiting, good opportunities are coming and going. And they're calling your name. They're telling you, do this. Listen to this. Figure this out now. Take care of this now. But you're saying, no, no, no. But I have to wait. It's a battle. But finally, those who stayed in that moment, they received what God promised and they were never the same again. There is a reward in waiting on the Lord. There is no shortcut. There is no proxy. There is no substitute on how God can transform you. You know, and I, and I, and I, and I imagine that during those 10 days, the disciples didn't just like sleep for 10 days waiting. But I believe they were waiting attentively. They were waiting intensively, meaning They weren't just sitting around doing nothing. I imagine these disciples started to open the scripture. 
they started to converse with each other about Jesus, to talk about Jesus. They probably just like today started asking, does anyone have a testimony of Jesus? And someone probably woke, stood up and said, I remember when he delivered me of demons. I remember when he opened my blind eyes. Remember I was a leper and he healed me. And as they're speaking, faith is rising in the room. They start praying. They start getting hungry. They start breaking bread. And they, they might have gone, gone away to, to take care of some business. They came back because they said there's one thing we need to do. It is to wait on the word, the promise of God. And again, the same pattern as you speak about Jesus, as you wait, fellowship in prayer, he shows up. And we know that at the, at the end of 10 days, literally the world changed. And the men and women who were in that room when the promise of the Holy Spirit came became the reason why the world has hope today. It's the only reason you and I have hope in our life is because those 120 people in that room waited on God more than anything else. You know, friends, when you, under, when you get the word about waiting, it's like a, I don't know if you guys have been to a restaurant where you can clearly tell when the waiter is good or bad. How do you know? There are some waiters who, uh, even though you got their hand raised, they just like walk by you. Because they're like chilling, they're like chatting with their neighbors. Or like you order something, they forget. And then three times they keep forgetting. But there are other waiters, I don't care how busy the restaurant is, right? Even just an eye, they know it. They just, they're just right there. Hey, do you need something? Before you even say it, they're right there with you. And they bring it faster than anybody else. That's the kind of waiting that we need to do. Friends, I want to bring this time to a close by, teach, by helping you understand that in the waiting, we surrender. Why must we Wait is, again, we need to have an opportunity where we empty ourselves. And in that moment of healing, in that moment of waiting, we are healed and the Lord has an opportunity to cleanse you. Many times the Lord wants to do a work in you. The Lord wants to share a word with you. But it's not that you are a bad person or that you are disqualified. It's just we just don't give him the time. And in that waiting, we're renewed in our lives. If you want to experience the resurrection of the life of Christ in and around you, you have to learn to wait upon the Lord. Without this act of faith, again, we live like there is no God. You know, the disciples, and just like us, we all know what to do. There's no one here who doesn't understand what is good and what is bad. But the problem is, while we know to do, the reality is we don't do it. Or it seems like we try to do good. We try to preach. We try to do something for God, and it feels like our hands are tied and our mouth are just, you know, taped up. We, see, we feel like there's no ability. We have a dream. We have a hope. All of you guys are here because there's a small desire in you to say, I want to do something for God. I want to bring glory to God. I want to make Jesus real in my life. Why are we powerless? We haven't waited on the Lord. We haven't lived a lifestyle of attentive waiting on the Lord. So yes, we must go, but before going, you wait. So as you go, you wait, and you're going, you're doing, you're saying for God must be preceded, must come from the place of waiting in your life. Imagine if you really try to live your life in such a way, how would your life be different? It would literally, your life would become just like Jesus. It's a guarantee because when you wait, he comes and he empowers and he does something for you. You know, so I decided to do the nighttime feeding from now on. Yeah, because she's getting bigger, you know. And again, king size mattress, she likes that. She was impressed that even last night uh, I put her down and the baby was crying. Okay. But 
I'm not going to lie. The second night I did it, I was hoping for the magical awe oh, of waiting on God. But I was too sleepy. I, I, was, I was a little under the weather, so I was like dozing off, you know. So it wasn't that, that great, right? It was, it was hotter in the room too. So, so God's not going to just, you know, let me have that moment with him. But he's teaching me, you know, my entire life has to be waiting on God. It was a small reminder, a beautiful reminder for the Lord saying, I have something for you today. I want to do something in you, but you got to give me time. You got to wait on me. Waiting on God or not, it will determine the success or the death of your life. In fact, when Mary, remember when, when Jesus was at the, at the house of Martha and Mary, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and Martha was doing all the right things, all the things that are important. And she was angry at Mary. What is she doing? Nothing, but sitting there listening to you. And Jesus said, no, no, no. She chose what's the best, and it will not be taken away. And Jesus said something really shocking. He says, only one thing in life is necessary. Only one thing is needed, and she has done the right thing. Mary, just like David, knew there's no other way to live but to first listen. And then as you go, listen again. And as you continue your life, to wait on the Lord. I want to close today's service by giving all of us an opportunity to do just that. We're going to take a moment to wait on the Lord. Again, it's not just waiting, you know, like we wait for, you know, McDonald's or, you know, you know the drive-thru. But we're waiting with intent. We're waiting in focus. And I want you to think about two, three things in your life right now. I want for the next three to five minutes that we're going to have, I want you to do nothing but think about, Lord, I love you. Lord, I fear you. Lord, what do you want? And just focus on the Lord for the next three to five minutes. It's going to be so awkward because, again, our culture is very anti-wait. We got to go, 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 and it's still not enough. We got to do, 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 but it's still not enough. Yeah, it's not enough. So let's take a moment and we'll come back after three to five minutes. Focus on the Lord.
thank you. You never leave us, never forsake us. Thank you for being patient. The hours and days and years that we ignore you, we walk right past you. We harden our hearts to your voice. How many opportunities have we lost? How many people have we made stumble? How many people have we lost? How many relationships have we destroyed? How many blessings have we let rot? Because we lived on our terms. Because, Lord, we determine and we do and we say based on what we desire. Without waiting on your will. But, Lord, let it be different from this moment on. Just like Mary, you said, and this will never be taken away from her. It means this. The world will take away so many things. The enemy will come and steal so many things. But this is one thing. Nothing, no one can touch this moment of faith, this moment of saying, Lord, before I say anything, before I do anything, Lord, I surrender myself to you. I am open to you, Jesus. I'm open for you to teach me that I can hear your voice, that I can hear your guidance. Lord, you promise that you will teach us all things. You promise that you will lead us into all truth. You promised us, Lord God, for those of us who preach the gospel, the same power that was upon Christ Jesus will be upon us. Lord, you know the way to salvation for our friends and family. Will you reveal them to me, Lord, to us as a community? Can we be a church that waits on the Lord and see the resurrected king heal us, heal relationships, Bring blessings, turn our poverty into overflowing abundance, God. That's what you want to do. That's what you need to do so that we may take this message of salvation and life and deliverance and healing and grinding up a brokenhearted and resurrection to all creatures, to all nations, oh God. Apart from that, there is no point to living God. What is the point of losing this life if we haven't done the one thing, Lord God, that this life needs, oh God. So Jesus, right now, speak into everyone's heart and let us establish Jesus as Lord in our personal lives, oh God. And from there, teach us how to like Jesus, love, teach us how to move in power. Teach us how to see like you saw. Teach us how to hear like you heard. Thank you for being faithful even when we have not been, Lord. You never change. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. I invite you to stand this time uh, as we close this uh, service and I send you guys off. And I pray that this will stir you up. I hope that this will mess you up in a good way. I hope that you become a little bit less sure of what you're going to do in life. Because now you realize, Lord, what do you want? What would you have me do? And I pray that whenever you reach out in faith, whenever you wait on the Lord, may the Lord's faithfulness again and again May his truth again and again, may his love and power and wealth and glory again and again and again be provided for you in every situation in your life. 
Whatever hardship or questions you face and doubts you face, may the answer come when you wait upon the Lord. And so, Father, we thank you for this time. We were going to sing a song, but no, it's okay. I think we can just send you guys off. But just take a moment to set in your heart, say, Lord, I will wait. Teach me how to wait. Teach me how to be strong in my faith to say, Lord, I will wait for your leading, for your word. So, Father, embrace us now. Take us, Holy Spirit, into your presence. Every day, let us abide in the Lord. Let us stay in the presence of Jesus. Let us have a heart, a lifestyle of actively waiting upon the Lord so that when you call upon us, we will experience Jesus every day in every place that we are. That every week, every time we gather together, we'll be overflowing with stories of how Jesus manifested himself in our lives. That is what you want to do. And I pray that every one of us will become a vessel of that. We are witnesses of this. We are the witnesses of the only hope that the world has. So, Father, give us that grace to hear you and to wait upon you as we go forth into the world. Therefore, go now full of the love of the Father, full of the, of the friendship and the support of Jesus Christ and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit as we go and become his witnesses. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you guys in potluck lunch next Sunday. God bless.